Welcome along to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. I'm Kieran Regan. Lauren Gilfoyles in studio as well as Roars off on his holliers today and tomorrow. Coming up on the show tonight, we're going to look back on Munster's disappointing loss to the Saracens. We'll also look back on Cork City's very disappointing loss to Munster rivals Waterford last night as well. We'll hear from John Caulfield and hopefully we'll have a Waterford point of view as well. We'll hear from the Cork Minor Camogie team. They've reached the All-Ireland final next week. We'll also hear some uh, Cork County Championship action and we'll hear from a retired referee and assessor at international level who uh, retired this week after doing Man United and Barcelona. It's all on the way in the bench. Welcome along to the Big Red Bench here on Cork's Red FM. I'm Kieran Regan and Lauren is in studio as well. Very busy show for you. Very busy day of sporting action as well, Lauren. Yes, so much to talk about today. And I think first of all, we have to talk about rugby, where Munster's Heineken Champions Cup campaign has come to an end. They've been beaten 32 points to 16 by the Saracens at the Rico Arena in Coventry. A 63rd minute Darren Sweetnam try broke the Saracens' momentum, but Billy Vinopola crossed the whitewash just soon after, capping the English side's victory, with Vinopola then picking up the man of the match accolade. Munster head coach Johan van Graan said afterwards their opponents were just too strong for them. Yeah, they showed their class today. I thought they started the game well. Put us under pressure straight away. It was a, a fiercely contested first half, and you know the 13 minutes after after half time swung it their way. They put scoreboard pressure on us. Um, you know we did well to to get back in into the game with that try, but you know the ball carriers were, were just too good for us. Leinster faced to lose at the Aviva tomorrow for the second spot in that final. Disappointing for for Munster Lauren today. It was, but I suppose they had a tough task from the outset and when you're missing the likes of Joey Carberry and Keith Earls, it's always going to be a tough task, but yeah. whatever the opposition. Yeah, we'll be talking to uh, Johnny Holland uh, about that very, very shortly anyway. On to the Premier League where it was a very busy day and in the early kickoff, Man City beat Spurs 1-0 at the Etihad, reinstating United back to the top of the table. Already relegated Fulham had gotten their first win away of the season. They beat Bournemouth 1-0 at the Vitality. Alexander Mitrovic scoring from the penalty spot for the Collegers. Two goals from Gerard Delafeo have given Watford a 2-1 win over already relegated Huddersfield at the John Smith Stadium. While Leicester City have come away from the London Stadium with a point after playing at a 2-all draw with West Ham. Wolverhampton and Brighton finished up a scoreless draw while Newcastle and Southampton are currently underway at St James's Park There's been a goal there actually Lauren uh, just uh, we'll go straight to uh, Stephen Goldsmith Newcastle 1 Southampton nil, and Ayose Perez has given the home side the lead here a well worked goal created by himself he picked the ball up from 25 yards from goal turned his man worked his way into the penalty area and finished very neatly into the bottom left hand corner the home side score first Newcastle 1 Southampton nil. In the SSC Eritrea City League, First Division Cove Ramblers are about to take on Longford in just under an hour at 7pm. While earlier in the FAI Cup qualifying round, Affendale United beat Newtown Rangers 4-3 after extra time. Glebe North beat Middleton 2-1 and Malahide beat UCC 2-0 in the 3pm kickoff. While in the Munster Senior League, Ringmahan Rangers had a 3-1 victory over Leeds. And then to GEA, we're in the Cork Senior Hurling Championship today. There's a doubleheader in Riverstown. Douglas and Bride Rovers are underway since 5.45 and it is currently Bright Rovers 4 points to 
three in that game and that's followed up by Carrie Tuhill playing the Bars at 7.30 while over in Parky Rin Charleville are currently facing Aaron's own and at seven points apiece there with just about 16 minutes on the clock and at the same venue Black Rock are meeting Ballyhay at 7.30 in the Premier Intermediate Hurling Championship, Castle Lions play Yall in Ballino at seven. While in the Ladies Gaelic Football uh, Little National uh, Football League, Galway have beaten Donegal one twelve to one five at Pierce Park in Longford, and that was in the Division One semi final. They'll play the winner of Dublin and Cork, who face off tomorrow in Nolan Park. The Cork Under-16 Ladies Footballers have qualified for the Munster Under-16A final following their clash with Tipperary today. Cork won out their 4-12 to the Premier's 2-12. While in Camogie, more success for Cork where they have qualified for the All-Ireland minor final having seen off the challenge of Kilkenny in Carriganore. That's the WIT grounds this afternoon, 121 to 114. They now face Clare in that final decider and we'll hear from manager Jerry Wallace later in the show. Tipperary also claimed the Littlewoods Ireland Division 2 league final today. They beat Kilkenny also 14 points to 8 while Kildare saw off Limerick in the Division 3 decider. Back to local rugby in the Ulster Bank League playoffs. Bruff have beaten Middleton 38-28. While in golf, Shane Lowry is top of the leaderboard on nine under par at the RBC Heritage in South Carolina. He's one shot clear of the field after his second round following a number of suspensions to play due to poor weather conditions. We don't have that problem here at the moment, Kieran. And Graham McDowell is three under while Waterford's Seamus Power is a shot back on two under. Yeah, we've been stuck in studio all day, but uh, it's nice to be going out on it bright and still somewhat warm warm when we uh, leave here uh, today. Um, you mentioned lots of uh, action in the Premier League today. Just uh, a quick roundup of those results. Man City beating Spurs. Unfortunately, if you're a Liverpool fan, uh, good news if you're a Man City fan. Peter Smith was at the Etihad. City won Spurs nil. City, none of their swashbuckling best. But this a victory that they ground out. Phil Foden provided them with the match-winning header on five minutes from short range after Aguero had glanced the centre along the face of goal but uncharacteristically they failed to create the usual glint of opportunities and needed keeper Edison to be alert as he made four fine saves City 1 Spurs nil. Yeah elsewhere uh, also in action say Fulham beat Bournemouth Alan Lewis was at the Vitality Stadium Bournemouth nil. Fulham won a first away win in the Premier League for Fulham at this season an up and down match Josh King and Ryan Fraser missed good chances in the first half while Callum Chambers had an effort cleared off the line for Fulham the visitors took the lead early in the second half though Alexandra Mitrovic fouled in the box he got up and converted the penalty himself Sessignon came close to making it two while Fraser and Wilson spurred good opportunities to equalise at the other end David Brooks clipped the crossbar and missed the volley from close range back to back wins then for Fulham under Scott Parker has he done enough to get the Fulham job full time Bournemouth nil, Fulham 1 Elsewhere, an exciting uh, draw between West Ham and Leicester. Guy Swindles was at London Stadium. West Ham 2, Leicester 2. In the end, thoroughly entertaining match. If some of the football was a little careless at times. Antonio's something header gave the Hammers the lead at half-time, 1-0. But back came Leicester. Jamie Vardy, delightful near-post touch, 1-0. Substitutes were made. It would hit the post through Pedro Obiang and there was Lucas Perez to touch home. Perez then had an effort disallowed for offside for a time added on. Harvey Barnes came through the West Ham defence and made it. West Ham 2, Leicester 2. Elsewhere, Watford were taking on already relegated Huddersfield. It was Watford who came out with the three points. Joe Townsend was at the John Smith Stadium. Huddersfield 1, Watford 2. This was all about Gerard.
De La Feo. A calm fifth-minute strike from close range after Jonathan Hogg's error sent Watford in. And a late second, which was a similar finish following a blocked shot. He now has six goals in five Premier League away games, added to his match-winning double against Wolves at Wembley to dramatically send Watford to the FA Cup final. There was time for a late-headed consolation by Carl and Grant, but it's a seventh straight defeat for already relegated Huddersfield. An 11th in 12 games under Jan Sievert. That is grim reading. Huddersfield 1, Watford 2. Yeah, there you have uh, just a quick wrap of today's action. But Newcastle have just gone two up on Southampton. Uh, Perez getting another goal as well. So it's uh, now 2 0 in favour of Newcastle United there. Hopefully, we'll have a, a score update uh, very, very shortly from Stephen Goldsmith there. Now, uh, starting off the show with uh, some rugby, we'll be touching on Cork City in the next few minutes as well. But Munster uh, defeated today in the Champions Cup, Lauren. Obviously a disappointing defeat. Maybe some people expecting that result, maybe somewhat, but still uh, disappointing overall. But um, we, we'll be talking about that in just a minute. But earlier on, uh, both of us spoke with uh, former player Johnny Holland. Ooh. Uh, Johnny, disappointing last four months or today against Saracens. What was your take on it? Um, probably as expected, to be fair. The Saracens was a solid firepower and to be fair to Munster, they, they did show up and I thought it started when Saracen started well, it could have been Munster folding, but they actually did stand up and kind of fight back, which was um, which was good to see, but I don't think you could see any other result of Saracen's winning it in the end, especially just straight after half time when uh, Saracen's came out with their power game again. But like you see, at 53 minutes, there was a start, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so that 60 game line success and Munster had only 10, so you don't really need to miss many tackles and you'll end up walking yourself backwards to your try line. What was it? I don't know. Is it the right word? But was it surprising to see Munster keep with them for so long? Uh, I don't know. It was surprising, but it was probably like semi-finals going to take a while to break teams down anyway. You know, so it took them forty-three minutes to break Munster down. I don't think that's that long, too fair in a semi-final. But Munster had a bit of a, a secondary fight in them as well. But at that stage, I don't think Saracens thought they were losing the game at all. But I think like well, people like Joey Carberry was a massive loss. Like Munster were. Were much improved from two years ago. I thought they actually did compete, but they missed the creativity of Joey Carberry. Would have just added another bit into the Saracens' defence. Get something else, you know. So I think he was a big loss. I think Farrell stepped up. Someone like Craig Byrne probably did his greatest game, but he's still a massive addition to Munster. And you see, they're they are growing as a team, but they just need a small bit more. Disappointing for him to lose another semi-final. Yeah, uh, Owen Farrell uh, on fire today. Um from the the penalties as well uh, I think it was at six of them he got uh, for a finish might have even been more actually I think it was seven out of seven at one stage he missed mm. an eighth one but uh, I think he kind of played a, he just went about his job quietly he wasn't like at the centre of everything distributed it you know Munster tried to put him under a lot of pressure but it didn't really look like it after uh, you watched the game back he was just comfortable enough pulling the strings and kicked his goals after the the pressure told and they got their penalties yeah, um, Clear Conor Murray as well. He had a, a monster kick in the the first half. We're happy with his performance. He got yeah, a penalty I think as well. Yeah, he's going back to his best. He's just tipping away nicely now, and he's clearly a leader inside in that team again. I think confidence issue, whatever it was, is is well gone, and he's starting to build now into a nice uh, preparatory uh, summer, hopefully. But I know there's some silverware still to go for Munster, but I think his form is something that we're looking at outside of Munster season. 
And Johnny, towards the end there, there was a, a questionable refereeing decision. There was a yellow card handed out to Vincent Cock. Um, potentially might have been a red, deserved red? I think it's a tough one when two of them are doing the exact same thing, but you know, there's many two yellow cards in it. So it's, uh, it is a funny kind of decision to have to make. You can't really yellow card both of them, but I don't know if it was enough to make it a, a red card on any one of them. But I think there were a couple of questionable refereeing decisions. Um, I thought, so anyway, as a, as a Munster fan watching it, but... I don't think that was a winning and losing a game, but there was one or two things in the first half I wouldn't have been too happy with if I was a Munster fan. But um, at the same time, I think it's not the losing of the game either. Yeah, and Johnny um, Vonipola was was announced as man of the match without going into the. The, the politics of everything that's uh, happened them all week, uh, they obviously voted him the the best on the pitch. Would you agree? I don't think anyone really stood out for me massively as the, the runaway man of the match. So I suppose it's consistency in getting over the game lane and uh, taking two or three sets of monster eyes every time he had the ball is probably enough to, to hand it to him. But I don't know, like we were discussing at home, there was no one really that stood out to me as running away as man of the match. So I don't think it was unfair to give it to him. But again, with the hype during the week, it was mm. probably uh, an added bit to give him that. And it's under the appearance of Saracens, it probably wasn't too far away either. Yeah, and Johnny, it's seven defeats now in a row for Munster at the semi-final stage. They haven't reached the final t- since two thousand and eight. What are Munster missing? Well, today I think they missed Joey Carberry, but I don't know if he was going to get them over the line either. Um, probably a little bit of uh, attacking press. It, they they brought a power game and a kind of a pressure game, but they didn't really bring a creativity to the game that would break someone like Saracen. You know, um, they've got a really well set defence and. You know, they did come under pressure in the in the first half when once we got into the 22, they gave away penalties, which shows that the pressure was on. But um, I don't think Munster looked like they were going to run from everywhere and score tries. But it's it's only they are getting better as far as the second centre is bringing a bit more than just uh, crashing up the middle. He uses his feet, he's able to pass the ball. But uh, I think they're, they're, they're stepping towards a better attack game. It's just not there yet. Okay, I, I like Johnny Jon van Graan has signed a new contract recently enough. I think so. He's going to be there for another while. Um, what what can he do to to get Munster over the line here in the, for the Champions Cup at least? Uh? I, I'm not sure really, but I think the consistency is good for everyone involved because chopping and changing it, it just means you start a new system again and then you don't get there. Like it, I think the consistency might suit them and. You know, you, you don't know what way they'll turn up again next year with another year of understanding at the same level under mm-hmm. their belt. But it, it's, um, I think, obviously, they're going to have to find something different to do next year because it's not going to be good enough to get them past the final stage. If they have everyone fit, maybe they'll get past it with a bit of improvement on that game plan. But it is going to be a tough one. Johnny, there was just over 16,000 in attendance there today at the Rico Arena. When we look back to the Aviva back in 2017, we sold out the Aviva. Again, it's a, it's a small attendance, um, but a huge monster support and a very vocal monster, monster support. Yeah, I, I thought it was strange looking at the stadium before the game. I was actually saying it, why isn't it full? Because it's surprising with a monster team in the semi-final that the stadium wouldn't be full. But like that, the Aviva was full last year. And all people have been uh, trying to get tickets from everywhere and I saw on Twitter and people were sharing taxis from different airports and trying their best to get to the game. So I don't think it was on Munster's end, to be fair, with it being uh, over in the UK. So they, they did their best. You'd wonder why a stadium like that wasn't full, though. Yeah. Well, look, um, obviously, Johnny, a disappointing loss for Munster. Maybe a lot of people may be expecting the, the result anyway, but uh, disappointing nonetheless. But uh, thanks very much for joining us on the, the Big Red Bench this evening. No problem. Thanks very much.
They have uh, Johnny who spoke to us uh, just a short while ago following Munster's loss. We'll talk about that in a second, but uh, first Stephen Goldsmith with that uh, goal update from Newcastle and Southampton. Newcastle 2, Southampton nil. Jose Perez with both goals good goals too, the first he put his man 25 yards from goal then worked the ball into the penalty area finishing emphatically into the bottom corner, the second he slid in to convert a great cross from the left by Rondon, before that we had Benitez spitting feathers down on the touchline, St James's Park erupted into a collective noise of fury as James Ward-Prowse chopped down Almiron as he raced clear of the defence, he was the last man but he was somewhere out from goal and referee Anthony Taylor produced a yellow card Newcastle 2 Southampton 0 there you go now uh, that, that, that loss uh, Munster's loss we've already said obviously very disappointing but they did put it up to, to Saracens in the, the first half at least anyway Laura they did it was 12-9 at half time uh, it was a game of two out halves or three out halves I suppose if we take into consideration Conor Murray um, but when you look at Saracen's strength and depth they have a ridiculous starting 15 a ridiculous panel and I think that's probably what let Munster down that they didn't have those world class players to bring on in the second half um, we saw a glimmer of, of, of hope with Darren Sweetnam's try um, but that was uh, I suppose cancelled out fairly quickly it, like it's their seventh defeat uh, since 2008 at the semi-final stage and I think we heard um, Peter O'Mahony talking about moral victories and learning from defeats and that he's sick of them uh, so I suppose it's it's now to Johan van Graan and his management team to look and see well what can they do to, to get on to that next level to get, to get to the next stage is it a style of play thing or is it a personnel um, I suppose argument or discussion that has to be had Yeah they were missing players today, including obviously Joy Carberry uh, who was a big loss for them? He's a huge loss. Um, he's been superb for Munster since his introduction um, at the at the start of the season. Like we we've seen, Tyler Blindell has had a fantastic season, and even JJ Hanrahan. Um, he was brilliant against Treviso last week, so that obviously warranted his inclusion today as well. Um, but yeah, Carberry, he, he's he's world class. Like he he would one hundred percent be starting for Ireland if it wasn't for the fact that we have Johnny Sexton there as well. So we're, we're definitely spoilt in Ireland when it comes to out halves um, but to just have his cool head um, in the midst of the, that kind of game would have, would have been I suppose it would have been a couple of points anyway at least um, but like you're looking to Keith Earls as well that the fact that he couldn't play today as well Munster were brilliant in defence probably lacked a little bit um, up front and we definitely could have done with the uh, the Myros man yeah well uh, look uh, they'll just have to regroup and drive on from there anyway Lauren now uh, lots of talk at the moment are surrounding Cork City and John Caulfield and everything uh, Cork City going on a, a poor run of form at the moment uh, to be fair it's a very much changed team to the one that did the double 18 months ago they were down in the RSC in Waterford last night there was a lot of hope that they would get uh, all points there uh, but I, I suppose after what happened Waterford this week there was uh, you know there was a bit of hope down there that they could drive on and get themselves back in a position to legitimately play in the Europa League we'll talk about that in a minute but uh, first John Caulfield spoke to the media after the game last night um I thought the first half were quite good. Yeah. Well, I thought we passed the ball well. I thought, you know, we were we were um, lively and sharp. And um, you know, I suppose it's still a tight match. Um, obviously, the chance where Graham had a volley from eight, ten yards out, yeah. and, and, and um, 
by Connor Savage, Bucks taps in the rebound and he's flagged for offside. It probably was, it was a great chance, but at the moment we're not scoring goals. Yeah. Second half, they were they were a bit better. There wasn't still much in the game, but you know, a shot took it with the deflection off Dan Casey and deceived Mark. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's just the way it's going at the moment. Yeah. And, and that, like, I think it was a case that if you had scored in that period in the first half when you were good, you know, it would have kind of driven the lads on a bit. I think absolutely because I think you look at their work rate tonight and their energy levels, which was outstanding. But at the moment, we're just down in confidence and we're not scoring enough goals. And um, you know, it's it, it, it's just difficult when you have a new team, a young back four. No young Crowley up, up top from 18, 18 years of age you know we're in transition but at the moment every game this league is tough and um, there's no mercy for anyone and, yeah. you know, so confidence down a little bit at the moment but um, you know, we have to walk in the next two days to see if we can be rectified on, on, on Monday and is it kind of like a chicken and egg situation that you're you lose because you're lacking confidence and then in order to defeat dense the confidence even more like what, what can you do to snap out of it you just need a stroke of luck to go your way like the way that they've been going against you yeah and you have to create your own luck at the end of the day you look at the last three games we make a mistake at the last minute against Pats lose two points yeah. you, you, know, one of, you know one of our senior players makes a mistake make a mistake one night one of our senior players these things happen tonight the coach takes deflection and you know um, things aren't running but you have to make your own look at the moment um, you know we're probably not yeah. Creating okay. enough, no, well, we do get a few chances we're not taking, and that's probably what's yeah, frustrating. Well, but um, there's no hiding place, and um, there's no easy way out. Just to get your head down and try and get your get your form back. One very spot was Daryl Connor came on. Will he be in line for the start Monday, or is it still a case of easing him back in? We hope he would, but it's it's trying to ease him. He's been off for a while. Probably medically needs another couple of weeks, but we've really got some game time, and thankfully he'll be on the way back. So it's yet. But you look at those four, five, six players missing tonight. You no know, Comerford will be back. In for Monday yeah. obviously Benno is touch and go no Shepard I'm not sure about um, Colm Horgan no so there's senior players there that are um, out and it's um, we could certainly deal with them there's no doubt about that but look at them um, you know as I said you get back on and um, get out Monday and give everything again and hope to get a good result and your level on points with Sligo does that make it more important or is it just a case that you just have to win no matter who you're playing well every game is tough and I don't I don't even know it's literally in the table it's you know at the same time you know you could lose a few which we are and all of a sudden you could turn around and win three or four and you'd be, you'd be, yeah. you'd be right back in there so I don't think it's for that point it's just a matter that you know we're not doing well we're at home Monday hopefully we get a you know a passionate program that we can deliver a performance to get the three points and see can we uh, kick off from that okay. Thanks John okay. Okay. Uh, John Caulfield Cork City boss uh, speaking to the media after the match last night a very dejected sounding John Caulfield as well uh, things not going so well for Cork City at the moment, uh, Lauren, but you can hear it in his voice, obviously disappointing. Yeah, it's never good um, to hear that kind of disappointment coming from a manager. Obviously, you're looking for that leadership figure. Um, and when you're hearing words like that, it's obviously not good for team morale. Yeah, um, lots of people looking for John Caulfield's head. Is that the right call? I don't know. Um, I don't think it's just as easy as getting rid of manager and bringing someone else in. Um, maybe expectations from supporters might be very high after Cork City have played so well over the last few years and that that double um, 18 months ago. Yeah, absolutely. Like you're, 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 it's all about context and I think the, the Cork City fans have experience an awful lot of success or just, I suppose some very good performances over the past couple of years and reaching the heights and playing in the Aviva n- numerous times and, and now to have to compare that to where they're at now it's difficult it's difficult for any any supporter for any team I suppose um, so yeah it's 
tough times. Yeah, um, it's obviously a very disappointing loss for Cork City there. They're back on the pitch on Monday against Sligo Rovers. Uh, so uh, hopefully hopefully they'll be able to get some points from that. Uh, just because, you know, when, when you get wins, when you get points on the board, the confidence in the team starts to, to get better as well. So uh, hopefully against Sligo Rovers, they'll be doing much better. The, their opponents last night were Waterford FC. Uh, I don't know if you see much about it, Lauren. Um essentially thrown out of the, the Europa League because they're not... A, the, the club management haven't been there, essentially. You have to be a club for three years. Watford are a club, essentially, what they're saying is, for two and a half years. So now they can't play in the Europa League and St. Pat's have got their place. Um, St. Pat's contacted the FAI last week about it. So it sounds like St. Pat's ratted Waterford out. I think this happened Bowles and Derry City a couple of years ago as well, where Bowles took Derry City's spot. Um, same situation as well. But that has huge implications because you've sponsorship deals, you have players coming in, um, and you, you would have promised people, you know, we're going to be in the Europa League because you had qualified for the Europa League. So, you know, it's fair game to say you're, you're going to be playing in it. And now that's all seems to be gone. It's very difficult for the players, and as, again, the supporters like all, all, all they want to do is go out and play a game of football. And um, they've been training, obviously. Supporters have been going to games, and it, it, it's pretty much a technicality. And mm. I think that goes across the board for a number of different sports. If you're going to, I suppose, be thrown out of a competition for a technicality, it's going to completely just mess with the whole mentality of the players and mentality of the supporters, mentality of the management. Um, and it it doesn't um, it, it isn't a nice situation to be in but I'm not sure what they can do Yeah very uh, disappointing for uh, the Waterford fans there but that could have driven the team on last night to get the points so that they can put themselves in a position on the table to drive on and put themselves back in the Europa League uh, legitimately um, well they did it legitimately in the first place but uh, anyway just uh, that little bylaw it seems in UEFA's rules uh, that you have to be three years as a club to go into European competition before you can get the licence to do that. Now half time at St James's Park between Newcastle and Southampton, Stephen Goldsmith Newcastle 2, Southampton nil. Ayose Perez, the target of the Newcastle Boo Boys earlier in the season, has the home side in the driving seat at half-time with two goals. The first was all about him. He picked the ball up centrally 25 yards out and drove into the area before finishing wonderfully into the bottom corner. The second was about the teamwork. One of his strike partner, Solomon Rondon, picked the ball up wide left and sent a delicious cross into the box. The Spaniard then slid on the end of that and dispatched past Angus Gunn. At half-time, it's Newcastle 2, Southampton 0. Yeah, there you go. Some uh, updates from around the county championship, Lauren? Yeah, half-time over in Park Urien and Aaron's own are leading Charleville. It's 11 points to 9 there. While over in Riverstown, Douglas have a 6-point lead over Bride Rovers. It is 11 points to 5 points there and both of those games are the uh, curtain raisers to both double-headers. Yeah, um, so uh, exciting enough games it seems uh, so far. We're going to hear from Bishopstown as well very shortly and Father O'Neill's Bishopstown beating Newtown Chandram last night in a highly entertaining uh, clash for the neutral anyway uh, in Morn Abbey. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But uh, first, before we go to a break, Jerry Wallace is the manager of the Cork Minor Camogie team. They defeated Kilkenny today to book their place in the All-Ireland Championship final. They are the holders of that so it's good to be back there but I caught up with uh, Jerry a little bit earlier on while they were on the bus so there may be some screaming in the background 
Get on your lies there, right? We, we are, Jerry. Come here. Uh, obviously, a very uh, happy bus. Not in one yet, but you're into an All Ireland final again. We're back here, Kieran. We're back to defend the All Ireland final and to defend our All Ireland title. And a very happy bus. We're just coming back in now to Dungarvan there um, after a wonderful day down in the WIT. Yeah, back in there again, Kieran. I, like it, it must be a great feeling, um, you know, going back into an All Ireland final, playing Clare this year round um, after they beat Tipperary. But uh, come here, that game, Kilkenny were leading for a lot of it, and I don't know, Cork just completely took over in the second half. What happened there? Yes, uh, we we lost the toss and we had to play against the wind. Um, and if you were in the cover stand there, uh, I think a lot of the spectators were saying. It was a beautiful day out there, but there was a very strong breeze. We lost that toss, so we were playing into So we were very happy at half time. We went in eight points to one nine to 12 points down at half time. Mm-hmm. We were very composed, and we were getting ourselves to the pitch of the game, and we were doing, doing very well defensively. Um, we conceded a goal early in the game, but we settled, and we got on top then, so we did. And we worked eight great scores in the first half, five from play and three from freeze. And then the second half, we, we, we've been doing what we've done all year we've attacked up the game from the off and we got we, we delivered four great scores at the very start of the second half Casey Coleman Emma Murphy Claudia Finn and Tino O'Leary uh, who had come on at half time the girls got us back into the game straight away and then I think around around mid, mid, mid half of the second half then Tino O'Leary levelled the game with a brilliant free from out around the middle of the field and we drove on after that with a fantastic goal from Fiona Keating from Corsi Rovers. Mm-hmm. And for the last 10 minutes, then we, we got on top. Like, it was fantastic here on. Great, yeah. great, great to be involved with it and great to see the girls playing great a bit today. Like, you know? Yeah, and like, I suppose the, the first game was a, a loss to Tipperary, I think it was, and you kind of drove on after that. So, like, momentum is certainly witchy. Well, it is, Kieran, but, but I suppose the big thing there was going into the first game this year um, I was very unsure of the team we had nine of last year's panel left mm-hmm. and we had a, out of 30 we had 31 girls here with us in travelling and like we, we had only nine from last year so um, we were dealing with a whole new group of young women and I think in the first game we didn't have the team set up right and we didn't have the balance of the team right the first day and we're, we, we lost the game by three points it was a very good performance in the second half. Like, we failed to score in the first half, and like, I've been coaching for a long, long time, and I never see that happening in, in my own time with teams. So, like, had we got one or two points that day, maybe the results would have been different. But it gave us great motivation for the Wexford and the Dublin game. And then, like, unknown to everyone, the game that got called off, the Galway game, became a vital game. And even that first day against, against Tipperary, like, we're, we were in a league. So, even though we lost by three points, to get a draw in Galway because of our scoring averages was going to put us into the All-Ireland semi-final. So like, these girls have learned very quickly and are developing very greatly as two old so they are. And now they have a great week ahead of them. They're, they're preparing now to stay clear in the All-Ireland final. So it's fantastic here, on, you know. Yeah, you kind of, you touched on it there now, but uh, the achievement is all the, the more sweeter even considering that you had to, it was, it was almost like starting with a new team again having lost so many from last year's All-Ireland winning team. It was, and what was very happening there today, I think there were seven of the girls that won the All-Ireland last year were down supporting the team today, and after the match, they were out on the field. But that showed that showed the enormity of what the task ahead was, was to get another team for Cork back at the back in with a fighting chance. 
you know, on all on all Ireland final day. And I suppose dealing with this new group as well, Kieran, they didn't realise that they had played under sixteen Camogie and earlier age Camogie and most of that takes place in the summer. Mm-hmm. So we had to deal the first day with three girls that were away on school holidays as well because they weren't aware that the championship was actually in this time of the year yeah. in a league basis. So like, you know, we have, I think, and the finals, uh, I, I'm sorry, in the team that played today, they are now going forward even for next year. Like, I think we have nine of today's team are eligible again for next year. So like, you know, there's a lot of, we've, we've, we've been working very, um, probably smartly with the, with the teams as well, like to try and keep the, 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 the production line going as they say for cost, like, you know. Yeah. So, um, do you have a, a bit of a break now until the the final, or when? We, when we have it? very little break here. Okay. We're 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 they're back to the clubs tomorrow. I'm releasing them all back to the clubs tomorrow. We're playing the All Ireland final against Clare next Saturday. Okay, uh, the venue to be decided. It's a, it's it's running in because there were two games called off in our group. Um, that lost uh, the Camogie Association um a, a week to give us a break. So look, we're going. We've we've a bit of support on Tuesday evening. We're going, we're going for a swim and we're going to have a small bit of hurling and do a bit of Pilates for the girls that are going to do Pilates. And then on Thursday, we'll do a bit of training. It's all about freshness out here on. It's all about mm-hmm. the recovery. It's all about turning up next week and representing Cork and representing the Rebel County with a, with a good game, like, you know, against Clare. And, and listen, wh- why is there so much pressure to get it played? I know you have the provincial championships and all that now as well to play, but why would the pressure be on to get it done so quick? It's the... It's, it's, it's the, it's the way that they, the, the Camogie Association have it set up. I think okay. all the other grades from A, from C, B and A uh, in the minor Camogie grades are all played and are all played on this weekend coming, the last weekend of April. It, it then releases the girls and the replays are set for the following weekend, the first weekend of May. And what it's, what it's doing is giving you a clear passage without any interference from exams. So like if we were to win the All-Ireland next week and contest we are contesting, like all our girls are free then after that that are doing leading start to concentrate on the leading start up to the you know um, and into June and then they come back to us in July for the Munster Championship that's how this is going we come back into our own province then and play in the Munster Championship in July yeah. um, that's to me that, 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 and it seems to be working very well I find we had no interference this year for the first game against Tip the pre-leadings were on and we had girls doing their doing their doing oral exams or whatever they are so now we we have clear passage from then right up to today and up to next week. So, yeah. so to, to me, it works well for this age group. Um, and as well, Kieran, like, you know, when we're finished the sixth commitment, I can go to hurling matches and football matches and stuff myself. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you'll get a break to follow your own club. you get uh, a break from it in as well, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you'll be down supporting Middleton tomorrow against the Glen. But, uh, Jerry, um, a very busy week so ahead with lots of plates and swimming and a bit of hurling thrown in as well before an All-Ireland final next week. But, uh, Jerry, was and the Cork Camogie team, thanks very much for joining us on the uh, Big Red event. Thanks very much, Kieran, and thanks for your support again. Yeah, there you have. Uh, Jerry Wallace speaking to me a short while ago as well, before we came on air. Um, they quietened down fairly quickly uh, after the start of that conversation on the bus back from Carriganor at the WIT Arena in Waterford. Um, any updates on those hurling matches, Lauren? Not that I can see as of yet. We're still at halftime, I think, in most of those games. Yeah. Or maybe there hasn't been an update yet. Yeah, halftime in those. Uh, and that brings us to halftime on the bigger bench. Still to come, we're going to hear from Bishop Sound after their win last 
last night. And we'll also hear from Pat Kelly, who was uh, assessed his last UEFA match between uh, Barcelona and Man United during the week. He's still going to be assessing, though. Um, but we'll hear from him very shortly as well. It's all on the way. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, welcome back to the Big Red Bench. Kieran Regan and Lauren Guilfoyle here in the studio with you until 7 o'clock. Some updates there, Lauren, from the hurling. Yeah, over in Park Urain in the Senior Hurling Championship, Aaron's own 13 points to Charleville's 12, so that's back to one. Whereas over in Riverstown, Douglas are still leading Bride Rovers 11 points to six. And both of those games are just after kicking off into the second half. Very good. Now, uh, speaking of the Cork Senior Hurling Championship, uh, there was two games last night, uh, both in North Cork, one in Moore Abbey, that was Bishopstown, Newtown, Chandram, and in Mallow, Sarah's playing Canturk. It was the East Cork side who uh, heavily defeated Canturk, but in uh, Moore Abbey, there was a very entertaining game between Newtown, Chandram, and Bishopstown, with Bishopstown winning the game by a point for a finish, uh, and I caught up with uh, their manager, Mark Hogan, after the game. Yeah, very pleased, kind of, it was a great win. Um, Poor start, they got an early goal, but we kind of settled. Nobody panicked. We put Shane back kind of to sweep in front, and it worked well, thank God. And we settled well and kind of uh, pushed on then after that. Yeah, were, were you worried on the, the sideline at all about that, uh, about the, the, the early goal? Because sometimes well, well, it can, well, it can well, not play. It can, yeah. Like we knew they were going to play two men for forward line, and we kind of had to trust uh, who was there to, to handle that and kind of go man on man. Um, but they had electric pace in there, so we had to. We just had to readjust, really. But we were kind of prepared for that. So once he sweeped up, we kind of settled and it worked well. Uh, they kind of were on top in the first half, anyway, uh, with high balls, especially Tim O'Man. He was picking everything out. Was was that something you were, went in at halftime, maybe and spoke about? Yeah, well, he's like he's always going to cause you trouble in the air. Like he's probably he's probably Cork's best defender. If you watch the league matches this year, and um, he's playing very well centre back for Cork, so he was always going to be a threat. We knew, kind of knew. He'd be up in their centre forward lane, and we kind of switched Brian Murray on him, a bigger man, and I can think Brian settled well in him, and he kind of he kind of took him, played well after that. Yeah, um, a lot of young players as well uh, tonight. Yeah, James Skelly made his debut there. He's very impressive. He's been very going very well in the league. He was kind of involved with uh, Christians this year, and it's brought him on an awful lot. He's kind of playing at and training at that level. Um, David Quaid, another guy, Colin Driscoll, some some great young fellas coming through. But like it's the, it's the older guys really that are keeping them calm and guiding them through it. You know. Um, it was a penalty there at the very end. Where, what were the nerves like on the sideline? Because I suppose he kind of had to score. It. There wasn't that much time yeah, left. Yeah, I think we were two points down. Yeah. Um, so we needed the goal. We had to, in fairness, who, who else would you trust? Ernie Packron, and he's stuck in the back of the net. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, lots of uh, young supporters there as well tonight for Bishopson. Yeah, it's great. We got two busloads down with us. So that just shows the, the work going into the underage with Vincey Murray and Gio Condon. These guys doing an awful lot. And in fairness to our players, they're putting it back in as well. And that's, that's where you get it all coming together. They're really. They were brilliant for us tonight. The sport was fantastic. And look, uh, lastly, you've obviously a long layoff now until the the next round. I know your dual club said the, the footballers will be out after the, that um, game with Douglas. But uh, how are you going to manage that now? Because it's obviously a big break there. Or are you just going to leave them off now? With the we're going to take a break for a, for a week anyway. We'll take next week off. Uh, the footballers now will take over for another few weeks. But that's just the way it is. That but and the fairest we have that Tom Hayes is in charge of the football. And we have that great communication with them because we've kind of a nine or ten dual players involved in both squads so you just have to communicate and that's working well for us thank God 
Lovely. Yeah, there you have uh, Mark Hogan of Bishop Sound speaking to me last night after a win over in Newtown Chandram by one point. Uh, Elser Douglas taking on Bride Rovers at the moment. Uh, the latest score on that is Douglas lead 11 points to five at half time. Now, Sorry, Lauren, go on. There's also been a goal over in Park Urain. Aaron's own now leading 114 to Charleville's 13 points. Doesn't give us an idea as to who actually scored the goal. Um, but that's after opening up there for Aaron's own. Yeah, very good. Now, uh, back talking about uh, soccer or football. Um, Pat Kelly, not many people may know the name. Uh, if you say Alan Kelly and Graham Kelly, you should know the family. Uh, both referees, and as is Pat, or was, I should say, anyway. Uh, he's played, he's coached, he's ref, and he is currently advising referees at the moment. And uh, during the week, he retired from advising referees on the international stage for UEFA. Uh, and not a bad game to go out on, Man United and Barcelona at the New Camp as well and some uh, fabulous pictures on Facebook uh, as well that Pat got uh, going around meeting all the uh, players and managers and all that or, or they were getting pictures with him he'd say um, but yeah I caught up with uh, Pat during the week uh, just about his career uh, Delighted to be joined uh, on the line by referees observer Pat Kelly who's done it all refereed um, played, coached, uh, assessed or observed, I suppose, at the, the highest level. Um, Pat, you've just uh, finished up with UEFA after doing Barcelona and Man United uh, last week or during the week. Um, how does it feel? Has it sunk in yet? Uh, it's, it's, it has sunk in. I mean, I know going out there, Kieran, that this was my last match, you know. And the thing about it is I've had 21 years of it. And it was nice to finish on a match like that. But, you know, referee observers, the satisfaction I get out of referee observing is see people move from the lowest level to the highest level that he can possibly achieve, you know. Mm-hmm. And that all starts with um, even with local football, first of all, and you're trying to help young people along. And then when it goes into the UEFA circle, I mean, this great, no, Manchester United and Barcelona and all of that. But between all of that, you know, and you have under-17 European Championships, under-19, you have all of these, and you're helping young referees. And I get more satisfaction out of helping young referees at that level, under-17 and under-19, other than these Champions League matches, you know. I mean, the Champions League, League referees have made it to that grade. Yeah. And I can't do much for them, only to assess them. And, uh, you know, if there's anything that I need that they need to work on, I can point that out to them. I mean, you know, a referee observer's job really is like um, a manager or a coach. He coaches young people and helps them to aspire to the highest level possible, you know? Yeah. Like, you obviously um, had to go through processes to get yourself to that level. Um, Talk to me about how you got into it all. Um, I'm not going to say all those years ago, but I'm sure it doesn't feel like all those years ago. Well, first of all, anyway, I was a bad player. Okay. Like like a lot of refs. I retired very young. I retired very young. Um, but uh, I started refereeing at 19, 19 or 20 and I was refereeing, I was managing a schoolboys team and a referee failed to show up one night and I, that's how I got into refereeing. I just went down from there then. And when I was finished my refereeing career in 96, um, I was appointed to the local observers panel 
mm-hmm. and from there the following year onto the League of Ireland and observers panel and I was also appointed in 98 to the FIFA UEFA referee observers panel yeah like, so it's obviously it's it's very rewarding um, the job you do rewarding in in, in what terms in, well I suppose in observing and in, in helping referees you know get better and that oh yeah yeah well as, as I said you know the satisfaction the referee observer gets out of this this job is helping young referees to aspire to the highest level and I get no more pleasure than looking at a Champions League match uh, or a Champions League referee and say, I helped him when he, when he was on the under-17 European Championships and now he's gone on to mm. the top level and that's the satisfaction you get out of it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, like, you've obviously been to a, a lot of venues at various different grades down through the years. Do you have any favourite venue that you've been at? I suppose you'd well, be looked after at all of them you go to, but is there any distance? I would, of course, yeah. I mean, what happens is that, uh, you know, you fly out the day before the match. Elias, is an officer who is a former referee, would pick you up and uh, you'd meet the referees that evening, go to their training session with them, have a meal with them that night, and the following morning you attend the organisational meeting and then you with the, the referees would have a rest in the afternoon and you go to the match with them and you assess their performance after back in the hotel and um, you know that that's basically it you know yeah. but I mean I've met great people down through the years and I would have visited every country in Europe bar six okay. in that time and um, you know over 250 matches assessed at European level and that's something that I look back on you know you don't think about it at the time but to, it's good to look back on after and to finish last Tuesday night in one of the best stadiums in the world is was just unbelievable. You know, the atmosphere with 97,000 people, you know, and unfortunately I was a Man United supporter all my life, so... If I, yeah. I didn't make good looking, uh, good reading for me the other night to look at, at the whole setup, you know? Yeah, and like, oh, what would be your best memory over the, the years? Um, well, obviously one? the other night would be the highlight. Okay. You know, but my first ever uh, observation in, in Europe was a Champions League quarterfinal between Real Madrid and Inter Milan back in 98. Um, where the referee was Hugh Dallas from Scotland. Nice. And ironically, you no, know, he is one of the UEFA referees committee as well. Has a big part to play there, you know. Mm-hmm. But that, that was a highlight, obviously, starting off and to finish last Tuesday night was major as well. But as I say, I've been through many tournaments in that. And, you know, the fact that you, a mini tournament like is on for the best part of eight days, and yet there are only three matches in the eight days, and you educate the referees in with the UEFA educational programs as well okay. on your days off, you know. Yeah. And um, but I, I've met some great people, like and, and still very friendly with a lot of them that I met twenty odd years ago. So yeah, that's like, a good sign, you know. When you when you're going to a match, no pass, um, and you you have your your book in front of you to uh, observe the refs. What are you kind of looking out for? What uh, Boxes do you have to well, take, per se? Yeah, I mean, first of all, you, you know, if they have a good knowledge of the laws of the game, if they can um, identify 
foul tackles, tackles for the ball rather than tackles on the players, you know, and they have to get these right. You don't get everything right, as you know yourself. You know, mm-hmm. there are always mistakes made. Yeah. You know, no matter how good the referee is, there all, there's always this uh, element of error, like, that's, you know, it, it's natural. Yeah. You just can't, you just can't eradicate everything, you know. Things happen and you say, you know, after the match when you're doing a self-assessment, you say to yourself, like, that happened now, like, but, you know, it's not going to happen to me again in the future and things like that, you know. But um, personality, okay. personality as well is very important. Like, and I think when a referee can communicate with people um, in a nice way, you can't be a dictator or anything else if you yeah. can manage people. You know, it's all about managing people, really. And there are certain times when you can manage a situation rather than take all the yellow cards. It's the easiest thing in the world to take all the yellow cards and put over the fellow's head. But to be able to manage a situation first is very important, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, th- Kind of on that, on managing situations, we've seen uh, some referees get abuse uh, over the years. Uh, well, it's always been there, and unfortunately, it probably will be as well. Um, even they they might be correct in what they're doing, players or managers or whatever it may be, disagree with them. There's a lot of that in the game as well. We saw last year before Christmas, a referee in the Midlands uh, was assaulted. But um, it obviously affects uh, new people coming into referee as well and and that can have a knock-on effect down through the years as well. It does, of course. Well, I've had two very serious assaults in my career. And once I was refereeing in the school boys league and I moved into junior football and I was headbutted, had my nose broken nice. uh, after giving a decision to a team. The incident happened outside the penalty area. He was looking for a penalty and I was just explaining, no, it's not, it's outside the penalty area. And before I knew it, I was on the ground after being headbutted. Yeah. And the same happened to me um, maybe eight to ten years later. Uh, something similar happened. Um, and there was also headbutted in the League of Ireland match, would you believe? Nice. Now, when I say headbutted, there was only contact made with my head. I continued the match, and that, you know, I wouldn't regard it as a serious assault or anything, yeah. not like the other two. But um, it didn't, you know, it didn't prevent me from continuing what I loved doing. Um, I mean, my father was a referee before me. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take on the mantle when he he passed away in in 1965. He was actually killed in a road accident. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just took it on from there and delighted that the boys took it up after me as well. Yeah. So... Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll talk about your, uh, we'll talk about the two lads in a, in a minute. But you mentioned it didn't uh, yeah. it didn't put you off, obviously. But you have to have a lot of mental strength for something like that to not put you off because you see young well, referees yeah. and there's things shouted yeah. at the sideline at them. Definitely, but um, at the time, you know, the referee observer I was here at the time um, pleaded with me not to let these people win. And I decided to continue, even though I was, you know, it was, it was just traumatic at the time, like, you know. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, I'm going to carry on. And there, there were no matches played down here for a weekend. There was a blanket strike uh, on the referee's part because of what happened. And, um, you know, it's not that common nowadays, but yeah. 
the incident above in Westmead during the season, like woke everybody up, you know, but that should have been dealt with you know, the, the FEI should have taken that on board and made it made it more serious and all the FA but interesting at times getting matches played at the weekend. You know, there should have been a, a an example set that weekend for that referee and then you know, people would take notice. Yeah. Because it's very difficult to get people into refereeing, particularly at a young age. Yeah, and to see the like to this, you know. Yeah, and keep them at it then as well. Um, oh yeah. One, one thing you've had to work with more recently, possibly, is VAR in the the game. Of people still undecided. Some saying yeah, it's good. Others saying no. We saw it in use the other night in probably one of the most thrilling games of the year, if not longer. That's right. Yeah. Um, how did you find that? And, and how well, how was it working with the refs? We had it on the Tuesday night as well. We had one incident where a penalty was awarded, and it came down. Then that's um, you know, you need to re- review this again. And the referee went over and reviewed it, and decided to overturn the decision. Then, you know, now I'm not going to tell you what was right or what was wrong. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. it was my first time being involved with VAR. Okay. And I've seen it in the United States. I've seen a lot of matches over there. I look at the matches every week on television and I can understand what they're doing. I'm a believer in it. Okay. Um, anything that helps the referee, I'm a believer in. Yeah, Pat Kelly speaking to me there uh, during the week. We'll hear part two of that uh, tomorrow. Very, very interesting uh, piece with uh, Pat Kelly as well. So do make sure to tune in there uh, tomorrow. Now, uh, it's uh, gone 2-1 between Newcastle and Southampton. Uh, Goal there coming from... Uh, Southampton's goal coming from Lamina after 59 minutes there is about 20 minutes left to go in that and there's some updates in the, the Cork Hurling Championship Lauren Yeah in Park Urain it's back to a one point game there between Aaron's Zone and Charleville it's Aaron's Zone 117 to Charleville's 116 and there's about 25 minutes played there while over in Riverstown we're looking at Bridal Rovers and Douglas and there's about 20 minutes played there and Douglas lead 13 points to Bridal Rovers 10 so two pretty close games. Yeah, uh, that's about it for us tonight uh, I think actually Mark Hogan is the, the Bishop Sound coach, I may have said Mark uh, Hogan um, uh, earlier on, just a slip of the tongue but anyway, that's about it for tonight, we'll be back tomorrow from 6 o'clock so uh, Stevie's up next with the block party from ourselves we'll talk to you tomorrow The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm